from the basement that we record from. It is Double Turn Radio. I am Xavier Heat, and next to me is my beautiful and lovely co-host, as always. The man with no gimmick, the James Conti, one half of the greatest podcast team of all time. Absolutely, and we present to you the first ever war ready from Double Turn Radio. You got it, baby. War ready. We're going to do something new. Uh, we mentioned it on the previous podcast. If uh, you listen to it, if not, go and check it out. Uh, it's uh, our return to the triumphant podcasting world and giving a recap of the state of wrestling today and other topics. Uh, but this specifically, James, is going to be about the Monday Night Wars. Something that we, I mean, I lived through it, but I did not watch it, and you were born technically in the middle of it. Yep, exactly. I was born in 96, so uh, I've never actually gone back and watched uh, chronologically everything that happened week to week. Um, I've you know, I've watched the pay-per-views. I've watched sporadic Monday Night Raws that I was told were phenomenal. Uh, I can't say I've actually sat down and watched a whole lot of Nitro. Uh, because, uh, but so this was the first time I actually sat down and watched it. So it's interesting. It's interesting to watch Nitro, then Raw. And then I think the other way I'm going to do it around next time I'm going to watch Raw, then Nitro. And it's, it's, it's very contrasting and it it was definitely what your taste was. I tend to go back and forth. I, I do the snake method. I go one to the other, double up and then go back to the other one, double up. And that's how I use, that's how I've been doing it for the little bit of episodes that I've been watching so far. But yeah, I myself, uh, an aspiring professional wrestler and manager, uh, have not seen the Monday Night Wars and have not uh, seen much of um, the Attitude Era. Although I lived through a lot of it, and, and a lot of my inspiration in wrestling comes from specific things that I've seen. Um, however, I too have not watched it in chronological order. So. Uh, the purpose of the show here today is uh, to kind of give recaps. We're going to try and do this and release this as much as possible. I'm hoping for uh, a bi-weekly or at least, uh, you know, eventually a weekly if we can record up to enough episodes at once. But, um, yeah, no, we're going to try and do this. Record every – we're going to try and uh, recap every Monday Night Nitro, every – uh, Monday Night Raw that was recorded that we can find, uh, you know, either on the network or through nefarious methods. Unfortunately, we have to go through that route, but we want to, you know, make sure that we give you every every little bit. Um, and for the people who haven't watched the Monday Night Wars and don't know what the hell we're talking about, if you're kind of new to professional wrestling or you know don't know why you're listening to us for whatever reason or another, we I'm glad you found us. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But uh, we'll go ahead and give you a, a quick uh, history of. Of uh, WCW and Nitro and and uh, you know WWF and Monday Night uh, Raw and, and how that started. All right, uh, James, you want to go ahead and take point on on that? You, you yeah, know, from what your knowledge. Yeah. So basically, um, up until the '90s, which is when this takes place, from about '95 to we can debate whether or not the invasion counts. I'm gonna count it because that's technically the death of the Attitude Era, and we'll pu- we'll. We'll cut it right after Survivor Series 2001. I mean, or we could do the last episode of Monday Night Nitro because that is significant in and of itself. Correct. Um, but up until the 90s, Vince, Mc, uh, Vince McMahon kind of had a hold on wrestling. Absolutely. Uh, through the 60s, 70s, there were territories. By the 80s came the boom of, of professional wrestling, and that's because Vince McMahon had pretty much absorbed all these territories and started what was actually the WWWF, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, Federation, uh, which later got shortened to the World Wrestling Federation. And 
eventually everything um, it became exactly as we know it today. The WWE that that comes yeah, it, hand I, hand. and it kind of in between all that, just to you know get a little bit more pre- precise. So WWF. Um, was providing a, uh, a, I wouldn't say weekly show, but it was primetime wrestling. Um, it was on, uh, you know, on USA through NBC. And that was how they presented their wrestling uh, on a at least semi-week-to-week basis. Um, and through pay-per-views. And the same goes for uh, WCW. When that started, it was kind of the end of uh, Jim Crockett Promotions. And Ted Turner bought out uh, Jim Crockett Promotions and then was providing this alternative to what WWF was, you know, was affiliated with the NWA and eventually broke off, you know, of the NWA and turned it to its own thing. And this is where it kind of all starts. Yep. And, and you've got, uh, sorry, I cut you off, but um, you've got incredible minds uh, behind what was going on. So Ted Turner also, what a lot of people um forget is how big and it kind of mirrors what's going on today how big his wallet was at the time and this is what this was how significant that this got i mean hey he had tbs he had tnt he had cnn these were all things that were happening you know warner all all those things were, were going on as well and uh you know but Vince McMahon still had a foothold in the industry, and and he still had a considerable, uh, you know, size of the market share when it came to professional wrestling. So uh, at one point, and it's very famous, Eric Bischoff talks about it on his 83 Weeks podcast and, on, you know, and in his book, um, how Ted Turner came up to him one day and was like, hey, how do we compete with Vince? You know, we they just uh, stopped uh, – Vince just stopped airing primetime wrestling and just started airing Monday Night Raw – you know, it started coming up every week or, you know, but it was taped. So it didn't happen, you know, live, uh, but, it, but it was taped and you were getting weekly wrestling in, in, in a sense. Um, and as the more and more and more that it was happening, uh, the larger the market share that WWF was taking, which was making WC Dumble, uh, WCW sorry, <laughs> dwindle even more. And Eric Bischoff famously said that he created a list of everything that WWF was doing at the time, and he figured out ways to do the opposite, and that meant, uh, you know, making it live, targeting a specific demographic that the WWF was not targeting, and making it more reality-based and less on uh, cartoony antics that was notorious, you know, through the WWE, sometimes even today. Uh, so yeah, so the the. Um, Thus, WCW Nitro was born, and on September 4th, 1995, was the first air date, and it was through uh, TNT, and it was debuting at the Mall of America, not your typical arena. Correct, and uh, when you watch it, it's very uh, it's very weird to look at it for coming from uh, them being in the middle of a mall, and actually, funny enough, it's funny we bring this up, a... Indie promotion just ran Saturday Nitro from the Mall of America. Uh, and our Rob Van Dam was on that show. <laughs> Not that he was on this show, too, but it yeah. would have been interesting. But uh, but so, another ECW faithful was on was at least featured in this. And so we will most definitely we'll be to getting that. to that yeah. uh, with a table spot that uh, we will <laughs> talk about. <laughs> but but um, nonetheless, uh, the Mall of America, not your typical wrestling venue. And that was because Eric Bischoff didn't think he was going to fill an arena mm-hmm. uh, for the first Nitro. Uh, not enough uh, whether or not it was 
uh, enough interest, mm. whether or not people were expecting, you know, they were expecting a WWF style show. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it comes down to is he wanted to give the fans the alternative. They wanted to give the fans mm -hmm. the less cartoony, more wrestling based. Uh, and to their credit, Exactly. 95 to the, in that era. I mean, hey, listen, the first match of WCW was a banger in and of itself, which we're going to get to. Yes. Um, but first and foremost, we just want to remind you, we're going to be reviewing the first two episodes of WCW because Monday Night Raw didn't take place, you know, uh, during the same time that WCW did um, their first week. So we'll, we'll be doing first two episodes of WCW and then uh, first episode of WWF. And... Um, also, the Mall of America, Bischoff, like you said, wasn't sure that he, they were going to fill an arena. He, he, so he chose that alternative there just to get people there, make it look different. Um, so at the commentary desk, before we even get there, the, the, the pyro starts. You know, you get that uh, uh, intro from the middle of a street somewhere, and they're blowing up that sign, which turns out to be filmed at uh, MGM Studios, which is the same uh, place that they were filming Thunder in Paradise for Hogan, which was a show. Uh, and a couple of other things for, for, for WCW. And uh, before you get even to the crowd shot of, of the Mall of America, they show the opening, which features Vader and Sting and Hulk Hogan and, and Randy Savage and uh, the upcoming War Games match that was still, you know, in production even before this Monday Night Nitro because they were still pulling off shows on the weekends and occasional pay-per-view. So as a wrestling fan, if you were keeping up on a week-to-week -week basis, you would know that War Games is, is showing up. The reason why we mentioned Vader is because uh, they mentioned right away, pretty much Vader goes AWOL, uh, which we'll explain why in, in just a few uh, minutes here. But yeah, we debut in the Mall of America. We see uh, Eric Bischoff, Bobby Heenan, and Steve Mongo McMichael. And if you're wondering who the hell Steve Mongo McMichael is, and you recognize the first two names, Steve Mongo McMichael was an NFL player from the Chicago Bears who turned into a wrestler and a commentator, commentator first uh, and a wrestler after. What did you, you think of the commentary team, at least throughout the show? Uh, it was uh, definitely – it's not what we're used to. Like if you're, Especially if you're comparing it to today's, like where we're, we – you know what it is? Growing up with JR and Jim Ross, uh, or I'm sorry, Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler, and we've seen, I've seen so many good commentary teams that this, I, you for, I forget that when this, and this is another thing when it comes to the wrestling too, it's, this is like the infancy of like where everything is starting to finally come together for a weekly, week to week basis, live entertainment. So I thought, but I thought the commentary was fine. Yeah. I didn't think it was bad, but I am not going to lie. Like I, I recognize the name only because I had heard it, like you know, mm -hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know exactly who Steve McMichael was, mm -hmm. uh, but I had a feeling. I was like, oh no, I was like, why do I have a feeling this guy's not gonna know what he's talking about? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, you kind of you kind of figure out right away that he is very new, very green to commentary, and you know, doesn't have much experience, if any experience at all, when that happened. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but you kind of get the the thing right away. He's he's stammering a lot, or he's you know overemphasizing on a couple of things or underemphasizing on a couple of things, not sure, you know, you know, where to take the conversation. But uh, other than that, I didn't have a conversation. I didn't have a, a problem with the commentary uh, either. Mm -hmm. I thought the back and forth between uh, Mongo and Heenan was, you know, a, a bit lumbering at times, but 
I didn't think it was bad. I think it, you know, kept playing to what they were going yeah. for. The commentary at this at this era was a little uh, a little corny. They needed to have kind of a uh, they had characters behind the mics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about that when we talk about Monday Night Raw because I'm sure you you and I both had the exact same reaction. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But I thought that for for the first episode of Monday Nitro. Uh, for this commentary team that they assembled, uh, for the production value that they had, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, so Mongo McMichael doing uh, the color commentary. Bischoff did the play-by-play, and Heenan played the snarky heel uh, in the uh, in the action. Um, but yeah, so a uh, couple things to note. Um, the main event is going to be Hulk Hogan uh, versus Big Bubba Rogers, which if you're not familiar with who Big Bubba Rogers is, that is the Big, Big Boss, Boss Man. Man. And we're going to get to that uh, a little bit later. He was loosely associated with the Dungeon of Doom at one point, uh, but he was in a solo endeavor this time around. Um, yeah, so we get to uh, the Mall of America. Uh, and crowd is hot. Oh, yeah. Crowd is hot, hot, yep. hot. Um how we get the first match, which is arguably one of the best matches in WCW history, bar none. And that is uh, the bout between uh, Jushin Thunder Liger and Flying Brian Pillman. Um, you know, the announcers made a, a note to say that Thunder was huge in Japan. The crowd at least was familiar with who uh, Jushin uh, was um, through previous bouts that he's had in WCW. But for the televised crowd who didn't have, you know, much knowledge, yep, they, and they made sure to, to to make note of that. I think that that was something that was interesting that they did because during his entrance they even said uh, representing New Japan Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. which whether or not you were you knew what New Japan Pro Wrestling was at the time, announcing that he's coming from an organization outside of a, outside of the United States mm-hmm. uh, makes him or automatically feel like a big deal. So if you're tuning in for the first time on a Nitro and you're like, oh, oh shit, this guy's coming all the way from Japan to wrestle in, in the middle of the Mall of America yeah. in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you must be a big deal. Exactly, exactly. And what transpired after was exactly a big deal. Uh, you know, you get an even contest uh, between the two in the beginning. Um, you get uh, some high spots through, throughout the match. There's a surfboard and, and the superplex from Thunder uh, and the Fra- Frankensteiner from, from him as well. Uh, but this was really a barn burner to just be, to just begin with. They were really back and forth, kind of evenly matched. Thunder being the more trained, uh, you know, experienced professional at least. Um, and, and Pillman being, you know, s- sort of the newer guy. He had the Hollywood Blondes with, you know, Steve Austin at one point, but right. this time he was flying solo. Uh, I thought the match was really well done. For somebody who I'd never seen this match before, this was the first time I've seen this match. I didn't even know that this whole thing transpired. Yeah, I thought it was also really good. Um, it was, a, You know what it is, too? It's They're trying to keep that high-flying. That The high-flyer thing was also still pretty new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's not – if you're going back to watch it, you're, a lot of people might actually back it and say it's not that great because it's slow. It's a lot, It has a slower pace to it. But in the way that they're stringing things together, in the long run, the match is – Bar none, like you said, Absolutely. one of the best, and it was it was it was entertaining to it was watch. Technically sound, they made it entertaining. They used their the big spots in the right areas. The crowd made it just enough, you know, just better. They were eating it up right from the beginning. Um, so some moves from from uh, Pillman were a second rope DDT and a lot of drop kicks. You know, a lot of drop kick reversals. Uh, Pillman was definitely known for that in his WCW time. Uh, Pillman wins with a reverse roll up um, from a standing switch, and then. Uh, you know, of 
he kind of just runs right out. It kind of seemed like he was. It kind of seemed like throughout the match he was the underdog versus the vet, like I said before. And and then um, immediately we cut through a promo from uh, Hulk Hogan. You see Bischoff in the middle of the food court <laughs> with a microphone. Yeah. And Pasta Mania. Pasta Mania <laughs> screaming children everywhere. everywhere. You can barely hear what, what's coming out of Bischoff's mouth. You can barely hear what's coming out of Hogan's mouth. Thankfully, they had the mic you know, close enough to their mouths. Um, but they were pr- promoting Pasta Mania, which, hey, if you're wondering what the fuck Pasta Mania is, we're about to tell you. Pasta Mania was a pasta-themed... Hulk Hogan restaurant. Absolutely. And I actually looked up the menu the other day. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I looked up the menu this morning before we <laughs> recorded this podcast because I needed more information on this because I've never heard of Pasta Mania before in my life. And it just puzzled me as to why this was even happening in the, in the first place. So there were things like Hulka use Hulka ruse. <laughs> there was Orange Julius. I don't know what Orange Julius. I, I don't is. know. It, it, it's pretty incredible. Not um, not gonna lie. And honestly, what's it called? And it's the first and only that location, location that Hogan's yeah. ever opened, and it was in the Mall of America food court. The thing that was cool about it, they had Hulk Hogan shaped pasta. It had his face. It had him posing in different. Uh, that, different and, poses. Yeah, and that photo of him with the pot, plate of pasta is like infamous now. It like, you know, it's also like post like steroid trial. Like things are going on Hogan. Yeah, and it's like so you could tell like like I tell everybody if you want to see what like Hulk Hogan the steroid Hulk Hogan look at him in WWF, then kind of look how he sunk in in that photo. Oh man, he's yeah. still huge. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, so another good, good thing that was about, and I actually read about this this morning. Didn't know that. Um, it offered delivery throughout the mall because it's still the biggest mall in America. And back in the time, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, depending on where you're from, uh, this was back in the 90s. Malls were not around that often. So these were huge. It was the largest mall in America. So it was obviously a tourist attraction as well. It was raking in a lot of money. Um, so yeah, so we cut to uh, we cut to Hogan, um, you know, with the screaming kids around him. He's promoting all his fr- food uh, f- food brands. I'm sorry, and then he talks about his opponent, uh, Big Bubba Rogers. We get the typical rambling from Hulk Hogan. Well, yeah, what you gonna do, brother? Oh, uh, pasta, pasta mania. mania. Yeah, yeah, I was like, all that. Oh, Hulk. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't. I I admit, you know, it's nice to see that. As it's happening, uh, right? But like in the, gr- then I harpen back to my PTSD of like you know the legacy of Hulk Hogan and what it's to come, and it's like oh god. Um, so yeah, so if you're wondering, uh, yeah, like we said, Big Bubba Rogers, Big Boss Man, uh, they've got that main event. So our second match, another, whoo, another banger. Yep. WCW started off hot their first two matches. Yes, they did. And that is your Ric Flair versus Sting for the U.S. Championship. Now. I do want to touch on something here, and I'm not sure if James is aware, but at this time, there was a lot of bitterness with Flair and Hogan because Hogan just came from WWF. His contract ran out. He got signed. Uh, I think it was Bash at the Beach 94 um, that it happened where Hogan pretty much took the belt from Flair. You know, Flair was a, a... very much the hot champion uh, at the time and Hogan just kind of took that away from him and uh, it kind of left Flair uh, you know at least what it seemed like a little bitter um, 
from what I heard. You know, he was a little bitter about it and things of that nature. So w- you've got Flair, like, now meandering around the mid-card scene, which doesn't seem like him. But, hey, if it's to put over Sting, who they've had their rivalry in the past before this, you know, and continued after this, uh, it was cool. But um, the crowd goes crazy for Flair. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the most recognizable names in the business. Uh, and even even back then... Yeah, if if you watch it for the first time at this at this point right here, he's a god, eleven-time yeah. world champion, uh, you know, four horsemen, everything, all all that, yep, all that 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 has transpired. We still haven't even got to like the length, you know, of of Ric Flair's legacy at least post all this. But we're, I mean, we'll get to that as the episodes move on and with things, but, um, the way things are looking nowadays his legacy may not be over <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> and um sting at this time is not the black and white face painted person that we see now he's surfer vib- sting he's surfer sting he's vibrant he's colorful he's all for the people uh you know this is before the corruption of the you know from the nwo and what what it turned him to what we see now um which is you know arguably made him the most famous that he's ever been absolutely um but uh before the match starts who do we get? Lex freaking Luger. Who was had just jumped ship. Just jumped ship. Wrestled in Canada the night before for the WWF. Flew to Minneapolis. Signed the contract that morning and then stayed in a van in the back of the mall until they debuted and walked him out. Yep. And uh, that's not going to be the first time we see something uh, akin to that in uh, WCW. Uh, it's happened before. Or, I'm sorry, it's going to happen afterwards, again, yeah. later with Rick Rude. Yeah. Um, but, the, the, you know, the, the importance of this, the reason why we're even mentioning, you know, and going on about why Luger, uh, you know, appeared is because he was just, you know, on the cusps of the end of the Lex Express you know, he was supposed to be the next Hulk Hogan for the WWF. Absolutely, and it, it the thing was, it was very obvious to the fans. That's why they didn't really accept Luger the way that they accepted the um, Hulk Hogan, because they wanted him to be that all American, uh, all to to not to use um, an already existing wrestling gimmick, but an all American American like Hulk Hogan was a real American. Uh, you know, but the problem was Lex didn't have the charisma of Hulk Hogan. No, and not that's at all. the biggest problem with his career. Uh, he's also pretty one-dimensional in the ring. Absolutely, uh, and uh, not that Hogan wasn't either. Not that but Hogan wasn't, but Hogan had the charisma to back it up. That was mm-hmm. it. Was big char- a lot of character back then. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, your wrestling can bail you out more than your character. Sometimes, but depending yeah, on and, who you and are, and vice versa, still works. But back in the day, if you had a pretty energetic character you were people were going to overlook whether or not you were a one-dimensional wrestler mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and absolutely and we're gonna see exactly why lex luger wasn't the next hulk hogan as we're gonna see in wcw you know you know a lot of fumbling through promos a lot of forgetting where he's at and yep. you know what company he works for and, but uh yeah so we want to make it a note that the announce the, the, uh, once lex luger comes out the announcers you know treat it pretty negatively um but the crowd was on fire from the beginning nonetheless even with luger coming out he goes to the back um after security comes out and just kind of like make sure he's not there to do anything uh sting got the early advantage uh you know no selling a lot of flares off usual offense um in the beginning and then 
Well, Flair using a lot of dirty moves throughout the match to, to get control. Flair had a lot of, uh, you know, control throughout the match. And in the middle of the match, uh, Arn Anderson makes an appearance in the middle of the match, just to, I guess, just to watch, just to come out, at least from what we know at this point in time. Um, so Sting got distracted by uh, by Arn. Um, he well, wasn't really provoked, but he, he kind of was just, you know, distracted by it. Uh Flair with a chop block from behind while Sting was distracted in a figure four. Uh, Flair holds on to the ropes, um, and that got him uh, the disqualification because Arn gets in to get Flair off. Arn then gets in the ring. So now we're going to see this kind of beef that we've never seen before between two members of the Four, four Horsemen. horsemen yep. uh, and that's, a, you know, it's something that um, WCW built on, and we're going to see it culminates at uh, full brawl, which they're also promoting uh, two weeks from the coming Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Four Horsemen, one of the probably the most iconic group in professional wrestling. Uh, Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, Ari Anderson, and why am I f- blanking on the fourth name? Beats me, buddy. <laughs> Beats I, me, it's going to come to me in a second. Um, but yeah, uh, so the right before this, there was a lot of. Obviously, if you're not watching Nitro, you know this is the first episode. So before this, there was a little bit of beef, um, you know, from previous episodes uh, of WCW that they ran on the weekends and things that were happening on the lesser known pay per views or the less important pay per views um, throughout uh, uh, throughout WCW's legacy. So it's kind of cu- it's kind of culminating at this point uh, once Anderson starts getting inter- once he interferes. And he starts kind of pushing Flair in the ring, telling him, like, hey, man, what are you doing? Why are you cheating against Sting? It's not right. You know, you're supposed to be good now. Ole Anderson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Ole- I had to look it up because <laughs> it was going to bug me. Um, yeah, so uh, then you get a big brawl from uh, from Flair and Anderson, and it's it's that's crazy. for f- The crowd is going wild. They can't believe what they've seen. Uh, it's something that, you know, as a wrestling fan, you haven't seen anything like this before. You know, Flair and Anderson. A double A, the enforcer. Yep. You crazy? You you are seeing. You saw so much in the span of uh, probably about fifteen minutes. Lex Luger, a pretty baller match. Mm-hmm. Disqualification caused by Arn Anderson. A brawl breaks out between mm-hmm. Arn Anderson, who's mm-hmm. making an appearance. Mm-hmm. Ric Flair, Sting. So much is going on. There's so much at stake, and the fans can't get enough of it. So you're ex- absorbing a lot of content yeah. within the span of 15 minutes. And and we haven't even got to a commercial break, at least in uh, after you know uh, Luger came back. Um, so up until this point, now we've got Scott Norton, who in the middle of that brawl happening, he's starting to interrupt commentary violently, pushing Bischoff, pushing you know Heenan and and. And Mongo and demanding a match. Uh, Bischoff has the mic. Randy Savage comes out of nowhere yeah, I was to go to and make the save. Um, thank God for Randy Savage. <laughs> thank God for Randy Savage. Uh, so he goes and he starts pushing Norton out of the way. And he says, hey, if you want to fight, let's fight. Uh, but security, uh, nonetheless, goes and blocks everybody and makes sure that, that nothing's happening. And in the midst of all this, it looks like Bischoff is going to get sandwiched between two rather large men. And he's like, let's cut to a, a promo. Let's cut to a video of uh, Sabu. Cut away. Cut away. Sabu. Go. He's like, yeah, go go to a video of Sabu. Um yeah, so then we get a, a promo video of Sabu, which, you know, they're trying to uh, promote him as a crazy lunatic maniac uh, 
Absolutely. Suicidal, genocidal, homicidal, homicidal yeah. maniac. But we haven't Human gotten to that reel. point. Um, we just got to the, the they just got to the suicidal part. So we'll, I guess eventually we'll make it to the homicidal. Yeah, part. I guess we'll I guess we'll get it. Yeah. Uh, we'll get there. Um, but Sabu's legendary in the business. Uh, looking back nowadays, yeah. ECW. Uh, He's going to have a match you know. next week, which we're going to get to in a couple minutes. But uh, yeah, right now at this point, we just have a, a vignette, a, a for Sabu. And uh, back from the commercial break, and we got a promo from Mr. Wall Street, a.k.a. Mr. IRS, IRS. a.k.a. Erwin uh, R. Scheister, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Michael Mike Rotundo, Rotunda. They've called him every... Uh, the, uh, every yeah. uh, he's got through a lot. He's got through a lot. of The father of Bray... Bo, <laughs> Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt. Yeah, Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt. And, uh, I mean, hey, he went through more gimmick changes than... I mean, Big Show goes through heel and turns and face turns. It was crazy, at least through, uh, you know, the WWF era and, and, you know, even WCW because in a couple of minutes we're going to explain his name got changed again and to what it got changed yep. to. Um, so, yeah, so we got a promo from Mr. Wall Street at this point. Uh, he puts himself amongst the best like Hogan, uh, uh, Flair, and Sting, and he says that the IRS will be watching him, kind of akin to his old uh, gimmick and, and things of that nature. Yeah. So then uh, your third match, your main event of the evening for the first episode of Monday Night Nitro is Big Bubba Rogers versus Hulk Hogan. Uh, both people coming out to pretty big pops, big, uh, uh, you know, uh, Big Bubba, more to a heel uh, booze than, than Hogan doing uh, uh, his face. Um, Heenan asks uh, uh, what part of the sticks Bubba came from. Uh, that was, uh, I don't. That was a highlight of Bobby Heenan's uh, commentary. Com yeah, right. Th throughout the whole match, I was like, "Huh, that, that got me a chuckle." Interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Ha. Um, the crowd was electric for Hogan, of course, uh, and so Big Bubba Rogers was one of the big heels. Before Monday Night Nitro debuted, he was one of the big heels, like I said, loosely associated uh, with the Dungeon of Doom. And he was kind of playing that big heel persona up until this point. So right now we're kind of seeing Hogan begin the decimation of the Dungeon of Doom. And uh, this uh, proved it right here. Uh, Bubba gets a quick advantage in the beginning, but Hogan fires back really honestly every time. He never really looked too weak at all, which is, I feel like we're going to be saying this a lot throughout. Yeah, especially every time we mention a Hogan yep, match. <laughs> you're going to see this a lot. Uh, to go pull the curtain back a little bit more, uh, a lot of people uh, who probably don't know wrestling, if you're brand new, like I said, if you're coming around and just starting to learn, uh, Hogan had a lot of power, had a lot of power, a lot of power because WCW knew that he was a talent that they could not afford to lose mm -hmm. and, uh, they, but they could afford to pay. And on, and part of his contract, he had a lot of creative freedom. Uh, and you're going to see that he had a very special relationship with Bischoff, especially in the beginning, being that Bischoff kind of signed him, you know, kind of poached that and got him there. So, uh, yeah, well, we're going to be seeing a lot of that creative control yep. come to it. And I'll, I'll be doing as my best as possible to kind of, you know, help peel back the curtains as well. I know there's some things that James knows that I don't know uh, and vice versa. So we're going to try and peel back, you know, the inner workings of some things and why some things culminated. And, you know, I'll try and do the best I can with, with that. But, yeah, just a little bit of, of what's to come with Hulk Hogan. Uh, yeah, Bo, uh, Bubba goes to the outside, uh, you know, to mess with Jimmy Hart. 
uh, in the middle of the match, at some point in the match. And then Hogan goes to help him. Uh, Jimmy causes the distraction to the ref. Hogan takes Jimmy's jacket to uh, pull Bubba in and uh, kind of beats him in the corner. Bubba overselling the hell out of everything uh, Hulk Hogan is doing. And then uh, Hogan wins after his usual flare-up and leg drop. Classic Hulk Hogan. Classic Hogan. We get a, a an absolutely stellar night from WCW, mm-hmm. and it's ended with a, an absolute wrestling, like, it's not a classic match by any means, no, but not it's, at all. it's but traditional. It's, a legend, it's the, a legend being be, it's legend being a legend, like exactly. like what you were just gonna about to say. Exactly, it's Hogan being Hogan, biggest star in professional wrestling in the eighties. Uh, still maintained his star power, whether people want to admit it or not. Through the nineties, mm-hmm. he was still a big name, mm-hmm. uh, and that's it. You get your you this, get. But this didn't close the show. No, no, no. That's not that's not the close. But I'm just saying, there's more. Yeah. But there's, wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. So immediately after Hogan winning, you kind of see off in the corner people running in towards the ring, and the Dungeon of Doom come to attack Hogan. Uh, and if you're wondering what the fuck the Dungeon of Doom is, um, yeah, it's not a hawk and animal. I'll tell you that. Um, that's the Legion, the Legion of Doom. Of Doom. Um, the which is way better. Yeah, Dungeon of Doom. The, I, I, we James, were, go ahead. I'll uh, you, buddy. My God. Take the reins. Can you pull it up real quick? Because I, I, I got I, 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 I need. The beginning but here's the thing: the Dungeon of Doom, and I mean this, a hundred percent seriously, is the worst faction in the history of professional wrestling ever. Uh, it is a ca- a cast of some of the craziest characters that you could possibly imagine. It's run by Kevin Sullivan, who's the, who's task the taskmaster. Who has history with Flair, one of the, you know, one of Flair's old rivals, has history in WCW. He was also a producer of WCW at this time as well. Um, so he was the taskmaster of the Dungeon of Doom. There were people who were in the in the group. I'll, I'll go through the, the people real quick. <laughs> yeah, you please. explain the gimmick. Uh, you had the shark. The shark. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you had uh, Kamala, who was the Ugandan, Ugandan giant. giant. You know, big dude. Big dude. Face paint on him. Yep. Uh, and ha- had a name for him already made for himself uh, outside of uh, outside of WCW. He was probably the most recognizable person. Th- th- I was going to say, he is the most recognizable person. That's, that's about mm-hmm. it. Then you had uh, the Zodiac. Who Zodiac killer? Exactly. Uh, that's it. it. That's the big appeal to that. Is he came from neither the lightness nor the darkness and other things of that nature. He was kind of just like, I don't yep. know, oh whatever. Um, and then you had Meng, who became is, uh, who became Haku, who yes. actually is a actually halfway decent professional wrestler, uh, and, and <laughs> is probably one of the most frightening people of all time. If you ask any professional, any. Legacy wrestler at this point, yep, right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you had uh, a, a Van Vader, uh, Vader, Vader right. was a part of the Dungeon of Doom. Yes, Defected sir. was going to be joining Hulk Hogan and going to be joining uh, uh, Sting and Ric Flair. Um, or not Ric Flair, sorry, uh, Sting and Randy Sting, Savage. Randy Savage, Hogan in the, in the War Games match, you know, as a part of Team Hogan. Uh, but it did not happen. We'll explain that in a minute. So uh dungeon of doom come out to go and attack hogan and lex luger comes out and everybody's thinking oh my god he's gonna go and you know at least the commentary team and some of the fans from their reaction were like oh man luger's gonna come out and start beating on hogan too and that's gonna be you know what what this leads up to thankfully it did not uh luger went and made the fla- uh the save for hogan 
Uh, and uh, everybody comes, you know, and kind of clears house, things of that nature. Uh, and then after that's done, Luger and, and, and Hogan start exchanging words. And they start, like, you know, pushing and shoving each other and, and, and starts getting crazy. I think Hogan not knowing that Luger was, was going to help him, at least that's how it was going to be portrayed, at least you know, to me. Uh, so Savage and, and Sting come out um, to try and cool heads, everybody around, and then we cut to commercial. Uh, we come back from commercial. Mean Gene Okerlund has a microphone in hand, and uh, Hogan starts babbling, and he's like, why? Um, you know, why are you here, Luger? Uh, you know, what are you doing? What, what, what gives you the right to, to come over here? Uh, and Luger says flat out that he wants the belt. He said, uh, you know, the WCW uh, belt is the only world heavyweight championship, which means that Hogan is the only world heavyweight champion, and that's who he wants to fight. Uh, he doesn't want to play with kids anymore, uh, you know, referring to Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and and uh, Diesel and Razor Ramon, and uh, he kind of didn't like them. Yep, you're going to see that often uh, if you watch early WCW. They did yeah. a, a lot to try and bury the competition. I mean, right. hey, listen, their, logo, their like, catch line was where the big, where the boys, big boys play. play. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, and you're going to see it, um, e I think even Bischoff or... No, I'm sorry. Um, um, Shivani, Tony Shivani makes mm -hmm. makes a, makes a comment at the beginning of Fall Brawl, which we'll talk about, uh, where he says, you know, uh, oh, he came from behind enemy lines. Uh, oh, he went to some other wrestling company. Mm -hmm. You know, so they're doing what they can to bury the WWF. Yeah. And at this point, they that, said Vader went AWOL, and that's right. why we weren't. We don't know what happened with Vader. He went AWOL. Right. So, you know, a lot of military references throughout these. You know, couple of. Uh, uh, WCW episodes in the lead up to Fall Brawl and at <laughs> and Fall then, Brawl and at Fall Brawl there was a whole match yeah so uh, so yeah Luger says he doesn't want to play with children anymore and then he starts talking about their legacies and kind of how they uh, came up in different times but in the similar ways you can argue that but it is what it is um, so uh, Hogan says okay you want the belt I'll put the belt on the line next week let's do it in Miami Let's let's go ahead and do it at my, uh, next next WCW Nitro and then, yeah, they kind of just exchange words a little bit and that's how we uh, we end the we end the show, and uh, it was solid. It was solid. Definitely you know, best part about this great one hour show. Yeah, it was it was it, like I mean with commercials and everything probably mm -hmm. back in the day probably went went a little yeah but it was great. Yeah. I I honestly. This is why, um, you know, watching this was actually refreshing in that regard because so much happened and you told comprehensive stories within the span of an hour, which mm -hmm. is something that the last 10 years, uh, the WWE and even to an extent sometimes AEW has struggled to do in two to three hours. Absolutely. So yeah. uh, interesting, fun. The wrestling was good. Absolutely. Sets made me want to watch the next episode, mm -hmm. and the next episode was pretty solid, too. Couldn't have said it better myself, buddy. Yeah, I, I definitely had a lot of fun with this. Uh, as you said, it was definitely refreshing, definitely an eye-opener for me. And, you know, like you said, had me wanting to see, like, what's next, like, what's coming. Not knowing what's going on. Knowing kind of the overall spear of what's happening and... You know, you kind of know where things are leading, but not knowing how it's getting there. And hey, man, if this is the first of many, I'm I'm excited for this journey, brother. And I hope everybody is too, because we have no Monday Night Raw for that week, so we're gonna hit you with another WCW Nitro uh, review. This time, it's gonna be uh, right there, the week after. So
September 11th, um, 1995. September 11th, 1995. So let's get that out of the way. Uh, from Miami, Florida. Um, yeah, so we're, we get uh, – they start talking about why Vader left, as you said before, going behind enemy lines, uh, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. So if you're within the wrestling world and you, you understand the lingo, you kind of know – what where where this is going? Yeah. Uh, but so we will talk about it. We'll talk about it uh, precisely why. Oh yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So yeah, let's absolutely. pull the curtain back. So, uh, what's it go? Vader got into a fight. Yeah, Vader got into a fight with Paul Orndorff. Uh, Paul Orndorff. So, who was Mister Wonderful? Who was also a producer at WCW? Um, from both of their mouths, this is kind of how it went down. Uh, Vader was doing a photo shoot uh, for WCW. He was directed by Eric Bischoff to do it. Uh, they had uh, something going on later that night um, with a show, and I believe it was a live event or one of their Saturday night shows, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Vader showed up late. Um, from what Vader has it, Eric Bischoff says, hey, I know you're going to be late. I'm going to tell everybody. Who knows if he actually did. Um, but, yeah, so Vader shows up late. Uh, they ask him to do an interview and uh, or promo for you know for an upcoming match, and Vader's kind of like, not right now. I've got something to do. And Paul Orndorff went absolutely ballistic. Uh, you know, kind of was screaming in Vader's face. Uh, Vader goes and slaps uh, Paul Orndorff, and from what I hear, Paul Orndorff got Vader to the ground and started, uh, you know, beating him down pretty good. It's, one of the only fights I've heard Vader lose. Ever. Yeah, not many, and what's it called? Uh, this was very commonplace back in the day. Uh, brawls between wrestlers, br brawls between executives and and talent. Uh, this happens quite often um, throughout the 90s, um, and it causes a lot of friction. In this regard, it almost ruined the main event of a major pay-per-view because this is WCW really needed to hit knock it out the park with fall brawl absolutely they 100 percent had to knock it out the park with fall brawl he was already in the main event he was going to take it thank god the w i mean again thank god in retrospect you know uh they had somebody like luger who was rec as recognizable who when he showed up got cheered and people immediately recognized him, mm -hmm. knew exactly who he was mm -hmm. that they could fill him with. Mm -hmm. But this left, a, a, at the time, left a hole in in the main event card uh, for Hogan's team versus the Dungeon of Doom. Absolutely. And, you know, in addition to that, Luger coming in was kind of the answer to all of that. You know, kind of uh, the, the, I guess, insurance package, yep. in a sense. Um, so it was nice. It was cool. They, so they kind of explained that. Uh, we get a recap of what happened last week between Hogan and uh, Lex Luger as well. They reveal, reveal that Vader is not going to be a part of the pay-per-view, um, which was Fall Brawl. Uh, so that's kind of a, a banger to, to right off the bat, knowing that Vader is not going to do that. So uh, who's going to replace Vader? We don't know at this point, at least. Uh, and our first match, we get... Sabu, Sabu, the suicidal Sabu, who we—if uh, you were listening just a couple of minutes ago—they uh, had a, they played a vignette just a week before. Um, so, yeah, what did you think of this match, man? It's all right. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I wasn't blown away by it, especially because here's the thing: I'm so used to seeing Sabu like dive through like barbed wire and yeah. stuff, and so 
again, it was like weird to see him wrestle like a match, like without all this crazy hardcore stuff. But at the same, and I also had no idea who his opponent was. So like Alex was, Wright. Alec, oh, Alex Wright. Yeah, but, he's kind of like called? the the jobber mainstay the jo- the, of WCW. Yeah, but he like had offense. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, he, he definitely was pretty had good. offense. It kind of seemed like it was. Le- it kind of seemed like it was a job. Like he was do- like, I mean, obviously he's doing the job for for Sabu, but it's it seemed like it was like a squash. But yeah. it was like a not as much of a squash as it could be. Like obviously Sabu was gonna beat the ever living shit out of Alex, right? Right. But um, he beat him just enough. So yeah, you get Sabu with you know offense early. Uh, commentary really did a great job of selling how crazy. Uh, you know Sabu was where he's come from, what he's done in his past. He's still he's been wrestling, I think, for ten years up until this point was what was happening. Um, you know, Alex Wright gets some uh, advantage after Sabu misses uh, his classic uh, chair assisted leg drop from the outside into the barricade, uh, and then Sabu gets the win after an awkward top rope roll. Uh, yeah, kind of seemed like it was like a. Kind of seemed like he was doing like a snapmare. Yeah, it was uh, it was, was very awkward, on. and I was actually surprised that was the end of the match. I was like, yeah. hmm, I was like that didn't that didn't seem right. To yeah, me. and the crowd didn't really like know what to think of it either. Um, but yeah, Sabu uh, attacks right after the match and does even uh, more awkward top rope moves, <laughs> followed by a really like awkward table yeah. shot because he w- So in hindsight, it should look. You know, it could have looked very cool. The thing was, the way that Sabu landed, he put himself through the table, and Alex Wright kind of just fell down. Yeah. I get what they were coming across. They want to make Sabu seem like he's, you know, a lunatic. He's crazy. And and, and in retrospect, like, I mean, you kind of get that feeling because there was no real reason he won the match. Why are you going to keep beating the guy, you know, and then on top of that, use a table? Um, But... like the match kind of started off hot. It was pretty good. I was like, okay, cool. This isn't your average like squash match for for a debuting guy. Um, so yeah, so you get the, after that table spot, the ref reverses the decision, and then right. a- Alex Wright wins. <laughs> right, right. Alex Wright wins. <laughs> so it's like, so okay, congratulations. Your winner is Alex Wright. Uh, and then we um, go to Mean Gene introing Ric Flair backstage. Uh, they're talking about Arn Anderson, and he talks about um, how they used to rule together. Like we said, we can't say it enough. There were the four horsemen. They ruled the wrestling industry for years and years and years. Um, so their history is, is unmatched. Uh, and then, I'm sorry, it wasn't backstage. It was in the ring. Lex Luger comes out of nowhere for I don't know what fucking what reason. To do what? I have no idea. Because Flair was talking about Luger? <laughs> like Luger heard his name. And so go, he was like, oh, oh shit, shit, I got to come out. My, My turn. Oops. Uh, this is about me now. Um, yeah. Luger comes out. I don't know why he, Luger even came out. But now that Luger was out there, Rick started backing him up. And he said that, uh, you know, Lex was going to beat Hogan. And Hogan's going to lose. Um, I think Luger said, like. Two to three. I don't know, man. It, it two to three. Where's this is really frustrating for yeah. me? Congratulations, is, Lex Luger wants to win the WCW World Championship. That was really frustrating for me because I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, everything's been going good. We kind of got a clunky start to the show, but like, okay, I'm still excited. And then this happened. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? What are you, guys <laughs> what, what, doing? What are you doing? What the fuck WCW. Are y'all doing here? Um. 
Yeah, so our second match was VK Wall Street versus Sting for the United States Championship. Oof. VK Wall Street. If you can't figure it out by now, we'll spell it out for you. Vincent Kennedy. Kennedy Wall, Wall Street. Street. <laughs> they said it meant something else, but we know what you were getting Ooh, yeah, at. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so VK Wall Street. Um, I don't know why they changed his name. Even commentary was confused. I guess it was just to get back at, at WWF. Yeah, it's another jab at, at, at the bear. You're poking the bear. What's it called? The attitude era hasn't even started yet. I know. They had nothing better to do. But, uh, yeah, pretty good back-and-forth match. Uh, no one really had a long advantage. Uh, Wall Street was kind of lost during the beginning of the uh, – during the end of the match. So much so that I think Sat, uh, uh, Sting was telling him what to do and, like, where to be because – I'm like looking at Wall Street and I'm like, man, I, I, I've <laughs> been the? there. I've I, I fucking been there. So I'm like, damn, this is crazy. Uh, but yeah, um, Sting wins after a uh, top rope uh, uh, crossbody. Uh, yeah, again, another match. Yeah. Just, you know. I don't know. This, I, up until this point, I was feeling like it was okay. I was like, all yeah. right. I'm I, like, hope, I hope it didn't fizzle that fast. Yeah, I'm like, all right, let's see what what, what goes down here. Yeah. Uh, overall, uh, very, you know, two. you have two matches back-to-back that are relatively okay. Yeah, this was a wrestle-heavy uh, WCW for sure. Um, the third match, which happened right after that, was uh, Flash Scott Norton, or Scott Flash Norton. Who Do you know who the hell that guy is? No. Me neither. So we're just going to move on. Uh, he faced Macho Man uh, Randy Savage. Uh, commentary uh, hyped Scott Norton's athletic acumen. Apparently, he's a arm wrestling champion. Yeah, I heard that too, and I was like... I, I, was, I couldn't remember. I'm glad you, you wrote that down because I didn't. And I heard that, I'm like... The fuck does that have to do with wrestling? Yeah, it looks so okay. <laughs> Just because it has wrestling in it doesn't mean you can come into a four-sided <laughs> ring, a squared circle, and wrestle Macho Man Randy Savage and, and beat up the commentary team for absolutely no good reason. Yeah, I'm not right? sure. And forgive us, audience, if you know what's going on, please, wherever we are, drop us a, a comment and let us know so we can correct ourselves. But we have no idea where Scott Norton came from. He just looked like this big jock douche who was just... You know what <laughs> I'm about to do. Abusing. I'm about to do a Google search of Scott Norton okay. real quick. All right. I'm going to talk about the match real quick. Uh, like I said, commentary hypes his athletic acumen. Um, he starts. He doesn't even let Randy Savage take his jacket off before he starts attacking him. Uh, Norton takes advantage for a few minutes uh, of the match, uh, but overall, it, it was an overall brawl um, throughout the match. Uh, power moves from Norton uh, was the game changer towards the end of the match, uh, and Macho uh, was fighting from behind. Uh, Savage reversed a top rope move. I'm not even sure what the hell it was because it just was awkward as all hell. And he was rallying before the Dungeon of Doom come out to inter- uh, interrupt and DQ Norton because they started beating on on uh, on Randy Savage. What do you got there, bud? He's a former IWGP heavyweight champion. Holy shit. <laughs> and he has beaten... Wait, oh, that's the guy in the bullet club. Yeah. I just realized that. Holy shit. <laughs> that's the guy in the bullet club. He's the one that comes out with the biker shorts, right? And the biker pants and the leather jacket. Oh, my God. Oh, holy hell. That guy is still around, isn't he, right? I'm sure... 
I, I could have sworn I saw him not too long ago. Uh, let me. Uh, he is semi-retired. That's what it says. But so hold on one second. Uh, he what's it called? Yeah, he's a former two-time IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Two times. Two-time IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Okay. One time he won. Uh, he it was a vacant championship. The other time he um he I forgot. I just t- I just closed it. I'll check it's in okay. a second. No, it's cool. It's all right. <laughs> hold on. Two-time IWGP heavyweight champion. Hey, holy shit! Yeah, I saw him not too long ago at a at a pay per view. I think it was um, a New Japan pay per view, and he came out with them. And I was like, "Who the hell is that white guy with everybody?" Yeah, I was like, Scott the Norton biker? is is in the bullet is a uh, is Bullet Club. Yeah, he's got his own shirt to prove it. <laughs> That's cool. Good for him. Yeah. Good for Scott Norton. Fucking crazy. This match was not great. No, it was not. (laughs) This match was not great at all. I don't know if he... I I don't know if he's produced good matches in the past. Maybe I'll research him a little bit more, but this match was not great. It was just... It was just like a big boy match between him and and Savage. And, you know, the Dungeon of Doom come out to interrupt uh, again, and they DQ Norton. So... uh, But that was it. They didn't... It didn't lead to anything. It just, like... They beat up Savage and it was done. Right. And they caught the commercial. It was kind of right really. It was kind of weird. Yeah. It was. It was an odd. Uh, and we're seeing that the Dungeon of Doom is just gonna go ahead and interrupt any any chance they get for anybody who they're at war games. Which, uh, I they're furthering the story. I understand. Right. Exactly. It serves a purpose. It yeah. definitely serves a purpose. It's just you know. But like you're coming out and you're a new fan to wrestling and you're just watching this. You're like, why do these people keep coming? Exactly. That's the thing is, you you kind of have to assume if you're brand new to this because this is again. First time on big TV, you've got to assume, all right, maybe they've been doing this for a little while. The thing is, you don't really know. Uh, and now you're kind of as the, the job of the producers and the and the bookers and all of that. They need to kind of sow the seeds that um, that they're enemies, which they've done. Yeah. However, yeah, commentary did a decent job, but it still doesn't make up for the fact that almost every other match these people are coming out well, and, right, and interrupting. Exactly. Yeah, and it's I get it, you're it's the go home show for your big pay-per-view on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're 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 that's the only thing that I think I will say right now. WCW I think they uh in a sense jumped the gun having t- two weeks of TV to play up to a uh, a Saturday pay-per-view. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough thing. It's tough act to follow. Mm-hmm. I mean, one one week after another, especially the first week, a lot of your focus is on Lex Luger coming back. Yeah. That's where probably the highlight of that first week. Yeah. Uh and then you've got now you you you're like, "Oh shit, well we still got to promote the Dungeon of Doom mm-hmm. war game." And match. not to mention, you still have to like kind of f- trying to one up what WWF does and you're not going to know what's happening on their pre-tay show until it comes out. Right. Uh, they had some knowledge as we'll know, you know, yeah, later we'll, on. We'll, yep, we'll figure that out uh, very a, soon. A little bit, but uh but yeah, so um a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh that was the third match. We cut to commercial and then we come back and now it's uh you know, it's everything we've ever wanted. It's Lex Luger versus Hulk Hogan for the World Heavyweight Championship. Oh lordy. Oh god. Um so the commentary now explained that Luger wrestled for the WWF the night before. They finally did it. They, they they waited up until that point to fully explain why you know what was going on with Lex Luger, um, you know. And they recapped that he didn't want to play with the little boys anymore. He kind he, he they both come out to huge pops. It was it was it was it was good to see that they got a good reaction. Exactly. And, and so the fans that, are into it. Yeah. Um. It was an even matchup in the beginning. 
Hogan actually chain wrestled in the beginning of the match. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean... Pulled something out of his hat I've never fucking I, seen before it, it, in my entire life. For real. I've, I've seen a couple of Hulk Hogan matches. I've never seen him <laughs> pull a fucking chaining sequence before. It's my... Holy my, shit. Oh, my God. That was, was the highlight of the match, ladies and gentlemen. That, that's it. Because right right now we're about to talk about where this match exactly goes. <laughs> um, So both men pulled off big moves. Uh, Each no-sold each other's, like, really big move... Um. Yeah, and here we go. So Luger gets Luger puts Hogan into the torture rack. Uh, Hulk Hogan almost fades. They do the dramatic three, three count arm. If the thing. guy isn't passed out the first two times <laughs> around. He, Thank he, God I, he can regain his consciousness real quick. Uh, One, I, I'm so glad we. I'm so glad that like some some companies still do it. So, some companies still do it, but I'm so glad like when Samoa Joe locks something in nowadays. I'm like, yeah, yeah all right, he's it's he's good, out, he's, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so uh, he fades, and then he he doesn't. He gets out of it, and then he starts to hulk up. He hits the big boot and the leg drop, and the Dungeon of Doom come out again, again to beat on them. But this time, if you were watching intently, they did not touch Luger at all. I think they kind of just brushed him off to the side and pushed him away. Um, Randy Savage and Sting make the save. Uh, then the three of them kind of uh, uh, fight off, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the rest of the Dungeon of Doom. Luger, at, right at the very end, right before they cut to commercial, starts to, like, say, oh, hey, are you guys okay? And Hulk Hogan pushes them off. And then we cut to commercial. So we're still not done with the show le- yet. The, not yet. Again, <laughs> we're not done with the show just yet. It's my um, favorite. Cut to commercial yep. right after the main event and then go right to a promo to, exactly. to explain what's going to happen Saturday. Exactly. So, yeah, so we get back from break. Mean Gene, of course, has the microphone in hand, uh, and he starts talking about Fall Brawl uh, to Hogan. Uh, Hogan asks uh, <laughs> why Luger didn't get touched, which is actually a legitimate question. Absolutely. Why weren't they going at you, Luger? Yeah, so he uh, he does his, his, uh, his Hogan thing, um, and then he starts uh, asking if, um, you know, Luger's in on it. And then Randy Savage kind of uh, chimes in too, and he starts accusing um, of Luger of, of being in cahoots. Uh, Sting comes, you know, takes the mic and he starts defending uh, Luger, and he says that uh, they need a man at war games, and this is the perfect guy. You know, he he didn't get touched like whatever it is what it is, but he didn't you know he didn't hit any of us, so we we can trust this guy. I know this guy. Um, turns out Sting is the person who got Lex Luger to two come to WCW. Uh, Lex Luger did was kind of iffy on um, re-signing. He wanted to sign with WWF for more money, uh, and he wanted to do gigs on the outside. That was kind of the breaking point between the both of them. Right. Uh, and then Sting gave him a call, said, hey, jump ship. Luger was at a meeting with uh, Eric Bischoff, and the one stipulation that they had to signing was that uh, Luger didn't let anybody know didn't tip anybody in the WWE was just going to show up uh, at this point um, the internet was still a thing uh, the, the internet was a thing and the dirt sheets were a thing as well so they would have gotten tipped off pretty well too yep absolutely and uh, so goes on uh, sat, now they're they're taking a live vote as to whether or not Lex Luger is going to be their partner at war games Macho Man says no oh yeah but that was before that was after Macho Man then accused uh, Jimmy Hart and um, 
sting of of being in cahoots as well. He accused the both. He pretty much accused everybody except <laughs> Hogan to be in cahoots. Uh, if with, the Spider-Man meme on. could have multiple arms, it would have just been Randy Savage pointing yeah. at everybody in the room. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, Randy votes no. Uh, Hogan um, asked Luger if he wants to. Sting, Sting says yeah, obviously. Um, Hogan asked Luger if he wants to. Luger says yeah, but his one stipulation is that he wants that title shot again. Also, that's a fair trade. Absolutely. That's a fair trade. But Hogan is like going crazy. He's like, I know you wanted. I told uh, you what this was all about, Hogan. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) It's like, oh, man. And they argue that to to end the show. So, yeah, it was a uh, wrestle-heavy show. Luger accepts, by the way. Yeah, Luger accepted. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> most um, m- most matches, I think, ended in like a DQ or a wonky finish, like we said. It was really weird. Uh, but the star power definitely helped the show. Yeah, it helped it because you, like I said, you've got, for the most part, you've got Sabu, who was a recognizable name for what he had done uh, all over the world at that point. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, what's it called? I care less about VK Wall Street. Yeah, That's, I. Yeah, I mean, kind of from the beginning, it's like you're changing this a, guy's yeah, name up. It's a jab. It, he's yes. just a jab. That's uh, all. Uh, but you had that also that weird flare promo. Yeah, too. very awkward. What's going on? Very, very awkward. But the main event, like I said, they Hogan Chain Wrestling is the, the highlight of that. But Listen, they didn't start beating Raw in the ratings just yet, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. All right, we'll we'll get there eventually in about two years. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, we um, no, we're we're not there yet. This is still just a humble beginnings. And that is exactly how WCW uh, for September 11, ninety five closes. Uh, so yeah, if you're, and if you're following up, we've got we just did the fourth, uh, we did the eleventh of of September, and now we're on September eleventh Raw. Yes, September eleventh Raw. Uh, I forgot where it's from. Well, I know that it's from my. I know that. Nitro was from Miami. I forgot where uh, where that Raw was from. Uh, James is going to look it up in a second. But we're shown the fallout from SummerSlam. So here, let's let's cut for a second here. So if you're following Raw, if you're following Monday Night Raw, we are uh, SummerSlam just happened uh, two weeks prior um, because they skipped a week uh, due to Monday Night Nitro. Uh, September 11th, 1995 edition of Monday Night Raw emanated from the Canton Civic Center in Canton, Ohio. Canton, Ohio. I don't even know where Canton, Ohio is. Pro Football Hall of Fame. Sorry. <laughs> I was about to say. Sorry. That's the only thing I, I know that comes out of Canton. Pro okay. Football Hall of Fame. But regardless, <laughs> yeah, so Monday Night Raw. Yeah, so we get the... Uh, so, yeah, we're just coming from the heels of SummerSlam, uh, which Diesel got attacked by King Mabel. Uh, and Mo, um, you got Razor Ramon just had the match of a lifetime with Shawn, Shawn Michaels, Michaels yep. that ladder match, that incredible ladder match, which if you haven't, please, please, please check it out. That is one of the epitome of wrestling matches you'll ever see. Um, so yeah, so we, this is the season premiere and we've got, uh, them hyping up, uh, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Psycho Sid for the uh, Intercontinental Championship and uh, or Razor Ramon uh, versus Bulldog. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, the season premiere, and we got Jerry and Vince McMahon on commentary. The man, the myth, the legend himself. We have the company, uh, the company owner on commentary. Yep. Uh, Vince McMahon, uh, 
was for the most part unknown to the fans that he was the owner of of the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, he was always on the commentary desk, and I, a lot of people were taken back when they finally found out. Oh, Vince kind of runs the show. Yeah, you kind of find that out around ninety ninety seven with um. Yeah, just about uh, with with Montreal and everything that starts to come mm-hmm. about, uh, and you start to realize who the who, who the big wigs are in charge, uh, and it's gonna go. You're gonna see us. You're gonna see a lot of name mentioning. Uh, when it comes to this, because the WWF staff is is stacked with people who are now infamous or famous in the business. Uh, it goes from Jim Ross as an advisor to uh, Jim Cornette, Vince Russo, who you're going to hear exactly. a lot about. The honky Tonk, man. Freaking, you know, uh, Eric Bischoff eventually jumps ship and goes to goes to WWF. WWF. Uh, you know, yeah. so there's a it's... lot. As we go through this journey of the Monday Night Wars, we're... We're going to be getting to a lot of meat and potatoes and professional wrestling people. Yep. So we're in it for the long haul, and we thank you for for uh, sticking with us. But um, uh, commentary, uh, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, uh, we'll coming we'll up talk about because that uh, we got we got some things to say for sure. Uh, so yeah, our first match is uh, Razor Ramon versus the British uh, Bulldog. Uh, so that's a great match to start off with. Uh, we're getting right to the money match. Like yeah, um, they hype uh, the uh, uh, they the Bulldog as a threat. Um, with you know the attack on Diesel that he did with Mabel, uh, if you don't know who Mabel is, King Mabel was the king of the ring at the time, who was also known as Viscera, who later uh, became Big Daddy V, and unfortunately is no longer with us. Yeah, R.I.P. Big Daddy V. Uh, so yeah, so they attacked Diesel, who was the world heavyweight champion, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so yeah, and you got Jim Cornette managing the Bulldog at this point. Uh, good old Jim Corny. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, back and forth early, uh, but Bulldog uh, takes advantage with Razor Ramon. He was selling the effects of that ladder match that he had with Shawn Michaels. Uh, Razor comes back later on in the match. He reverses uh, Bulldog into the ref and then hits the Razor's edge. So we kind of are ready, like right off in the first match. You got a screwy, screwy things are happening. Um, so, yeah, the ref is down on the floor. Uh, uh, Razor Ramon hits Razor's edge, uh, and then Razor goes to pin uh, Bull, but the ref can't count it. Um, Dean Douglas, we'll explain who that is in a second, comes off the top rope and splashes Razor Ramon. The one, two, three kid comes out uh, and comes out for the save. Um, but Dean gets him too, I think, in a suplex or a uh, uh, suplex type move. I can't uh, exactly remember. Uh, then Dean escapes. Uh, the British Bulldog takes advantage and hits a power slam and goes for the pin. The one two three comes from the top. Uh, one two three kid comes from the top rope. Bull, uh, the British Bulldog evades, and one two three kid hits Razor with a frog splash instead. Uh, uh, British Bulldog attacks the one two three kid uh, while can Cornette blocks the ref, and then um, uh, the Bulldog. It, it was just pandemonium. It was crazy throughout. for a first match. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, kind of explain let's explain who dean douglas is so dean douglas is also known in the wrestling business as shane douglas Mm -hmm. the franchise Mm -hmm. uh he uh he's been all over the place he's been wcw he's been wwf he's been ecw tna tna he's been all over the place nwa uh probably his most um i would say his most famous moment is probably comes out of ecw uh, back when he was with Eastern Championship Wrestling, when he tossed the NWA World's Championship on the ground, said that uh, it's that this is my home now, ECW. They rebranded it at Extreme Championship Wrestling, and the rest is history from there. Absolutely. Uh, but Shane Douglas is a one, one not only 
uh, a fantastic wrestler, uh, a great character, a very char- charismatic individual. Uh, but here he's playing. Um, He's playing a heel. He's kind of playing like a snarky, like teacher. I was about to role. say he is doing what they wanted to do with Matt Stryker so badly. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to we'll get to uh, Dean Douglas's charisma in a little bit because uh, Dean Douglas cuts a promo uh, uh, eventually. Uh, you know that the, the next episode we'll we'll get to that. But um, and you hear Jerry Lawler say quite a couple times, "Oh, if you need a lesson mathematics, you should take it from Dean Douglas." Uh, yeah. No, I no no Jerry. I think actually you're probably better off. Getting math from Scott Steiner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, British Bulldog looks strong as, as they cut to the commercial. And then Vince McMahon, uh, as we come back from the commercial, comes out to interview uh, Razor and Kids and the one, two, three kids. So, Vince McMahon kind of playing that mean gene role, um, you know, post match. And you kind of see similarities between the two. Big match happens. You get that post match uh, uh, recap right in the middle of the ring, right? Um, which was kind of cool too. You don't have to wait for a video package later on yep. in the show or or whatever, which is kind of what they resort to now. Um, kind of speeds up the time a little bit, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so yeah, um, you could barely hear what uh, what honestly. I honestly I don't even know what Vince asked. I have no idea what Razor he said. Ramon. Uh, he, uh, he asked Razor Ramon and the one two three kid something like pretty much like how they feel but we can't hear anything because jerry lola won't shut the fuck up yeah there's this is the big problem what the fuck i am so glad that like we finally like you know listen (laughs) wwe still does it everybody still does it the commentators will make comments but it was after every single sentence where they took a pause. Jerry Lawler said something. But th- it, before we even got to that point, like he didn't even let. Holy shit, man! It but, was crazy. When you're, and it, yeah, that's the thing. When you're superseding what's going on, what you need the fans to focus on, it, it doesn't work this way. Like you yeah. can't work this way. Vince's line of questioning, I guess, kind of brought heat between uh, the Razor Ramon and the One Two Three Kid. Considering that the one, two, three kids splashed, you know, Razor Ramon, kind of, you know, asking if he's in cahoots, um, and there is a little bit of history between the two, obviously. Yeah, uh, probably the most famous, one of the most famous Monday Night Raw matches came from the first episode of Raw, where the one, two, three kid pinned Razor Ramon. Yep, uh, absolutely, and then did it one time after that as well in their rematch. Uh, so he's already got two up on the on on Razor. Um, so. Apparently, before this, if you weren't watching, you know, Monday Night Raw and you're, you're just tuning in, uh, Razor cost one, two, three kid a match uh, the last show before um, this show, uh, which I believe was like August 25th or something like that. And uh, said that really Razor shouldn't be mad and it kind of j- it wasn't on purpose. Um, he tells Razor that he gets no respect. And that he wants respect, and he challenges Razor Ramon to a match, uh, and then they kind of uh, they kind of allude that it might be all by design by uh, you, you know Dean Douglas, and but Razor Ramon eventually accepts. Uh, so yeah, then we get to our second match, which was the Smoking Guns uh, versus the Brooklyn Brawler and Rad Radford. Let's explain who the smoking guns are real quick. So I, if you listen to our first uh, episode back, I did call the gun club the smoking guns. Now we're actually talking about the smoking guns. Smoking guns are Billy and Bart Gunn. Billy Gunn would go on to be notorious in another group. 
uh, and Bart Gunn would fade into obscurity post-1999. <laughs> oh, 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 man. And why don't you talk about who, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Poor Bart Gunn is. No, 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 Bart Gunn, we got it. We, what's oh. it called? Winner of the Brawl for All. all the, what's it yes, called? Winner of the Brawl for All. Um, uh, and then, yeah, the, the Brooklyn Brawler um, is notorious <laughs> for being a jobber. Yep. Uh throughout um professional wrestling history and rad radford uh was in ecw um i'm not really seeing his ring names were the body snatcher cutie pie killer blonde louis spicoli he's a zodiac <laughs> no, i'm just kidding all right he says the zodiac but are, no, it's I not think, zodiac yeah, from yeah. wcw um mercenario three madonna's boyfriend i don't know the, he was kind of like a, a a fucking nobody and in this match he was a fucking nobody too um but not died at 27 years old he died in 98 holy shit well r.i.p i'm sorry uh <laughs> to a prescription and alcohol overdose Jesus wow Christ. damn um shit well, anyway, he wasn't that great in his match uh, yeah. at all. No, no disrespect to the guy. He just wasn't that great in this match. Um, there was outside action before the bell between the both of them. Uh, quick action between both teams. Uh, the guns take advantage in a quick victory with a tandem leg drop. Very fast match. Not really much to it. I guess just kind of highlighting the smoking guns. That, as a, as that's a literally action. it. And, uh, you know, they got the cowboy gimmick. Uh, they're going to keep doing that for a good a amount of time. Win the um, tag team championships with that eventually. We'll, yes. We'll get, we'll get there. But, yep. um, yeah. So then after that, we get a promo from none other than a gold dust, uh, donned in a gold suit, completely bare faced. This is different. It, craziest thing I ever saw this in my is, life. I was like, I'm, Oh my I've God. I've never seen this promo before in my life. And neither have I. I was very taken back. I was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. <laughs> yeah. This was great. It, I, it was nice to see, kind of the infancy of what's going on. Goldust was still an established character at this point, um, you know, at least uh, slightly. But, um, yeah, his sparkle hat was was baller. Oh, yeah. insane. Awesome I'm going to rock that next time uh, I go out. <laughs> at this point, he's feuding with The Undertaker right now because he talks about the creatures of the night and how they dress in purple and black and they walk the earth and follow The Undertaker. Um, he says that gold sheds light and he's going to send Taker to the heavens. So that's cool. Cool. That was nice. I, I like to see these types of promos. Du WWF was specific to these types of promos. Yeah, they liked their their promos like this to build up the guy coming in. Yeah. And we'll see that very pretty often. Um, we'll get to it in next episode, too. But WCW pulls off one of these promos, too, and it doesn't come off nearly as great yeah. at all. Yep. Um, but yeah, that leads up to our third match, which is Isaac... Yankum DDS versus Scott Cater. All right. We so we, I, I don't even need a Wikipedia page to talk, talk about, about Isaac Yankum. Isaac Yankum is Jerry Lawler's personal dentist uh, in kayfabe, but uh, for being legitimate, uh, what ended up, what, what, what he would end up becoming is Kane. He would end up becoming the brother of the undertaker. Uh, and, um, notorious this this gimmick was just oh it was no good no but uh you've got um and then you've got scott cater who we are still looking up i cannot find who this guy this guy might have been a one-off i i don't know but 
Nonetheless, it so, might have been. so Isaac Yankin would go on to do bigger and better things in the next coming years. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, at, at this point, he had a feud with Bret Hart. So they recap um, that he had. Uh, right. They recap his feud um, w- attacking Bret Hart at SummerSlam uh, with the help of, of Jerry Lawler. Uh, throughout this match, Yankum dominates while Lawler was jawjacking Brett the entire time on commentary. Uh, Yankum wins with the DDS, which is uh, a reverse DDT. So that was a cool, yep, cool name for a cool move. Uh, yep. It was nice. It was cool. And then we have our fourth match, uh, which is the main event, which is Psycho Sid accompanied to the ring by the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase versus Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Championship. Man, ladies and gentlemen, this was great. This oh, was, it uh, was it was baller. I like this match a lot. Yeah, um, um, it's it's interesting because uh, it takes a very special kind of wrestler to be able to work somebody a big man. But the thing was, Psycho Sid wasn't just any ordinary big man. A lot of people uh, chalk him up to being fragile in the ring because of his leg injury that we would that uh, he we're getting to. Excuse me is infamous for it's all over the internet if you yeah. haven't seen it it's gruesome viewer discretion is advised but nonetheless he was a very good agile big man he was able to do things and more importantly he was able to keep up with Shawn Michaels who uh again if you if you're brand new to wrestling and you don't know who Shawn Michaels is you're missing out on probably the best wrestler of all time objectively Mr. WrestleMania himself who and doesn't have a what? who doesn't have a stellar re- WrestleMania record himself? No, <laughs> uh, but I wanted to point out they really made a point to like make Sid look cool. You know, they his, did his firework uh, thing behind him uh, that he you know when he was uh, coming out to his matches, his music, the way they brought him out, everything was was dynamite when it came to Psycho Sid. Um, so Psycho Sid uh, just before the match, he they cut like a little little promo and he said you know he's had to wait until after SummerSlam to get his shot. Uh, and that he's bitter. Um, there was some early back and forth uh, action, but uh, Sid, Psycho Sid gets the advantage uh, throughout uh, the beginnings and the middles of the match. Um, there was an occasional uh, beating from DiBiase on the outside uh, to Michaels, and then uh, Sid continued to dominate throughout uh, uh, you know, the middle towards the end of the match. And Shawn Michaels uh, really, you know, out of nowhere, uh, reverses an Irish whip uh, and gives Sid two super kicks to win uh and then we get a strip tease to celebrate the show to the crowd joy holy cow yeah you know it's funny like knowing where Shawn michaels is at today that you know when you watch something like that you're like oh yeah he was very different back in the 90s very different yeah and we're gonna see that with the with the um Indoctrination of Degeneration X. Yeah, as was that this starts. after he did the Playgirl shoot or before he did the Playgirl? I think shoot? it was before because Brett brought it up in '97 to, and so it might have been before. Uh, I'm not sure. Let's but see. We're still working I mean, on, I mean, we're still. Working do we want to type that. that in? I'm sure we do. But what's it called? We'll take. We're gonna. My take browser's incognito anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, what do you think about the show? Would you? Th- I thought it was solid. I thought compared to WCW's. Uh, September 11th show because we can't compare it week to week on against the debut Nitro. Um, what's it called? He uh, or the, Raw was night and day from WCW's second show in my opinion. I think Raw flowed a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's just because they had the advantage. They were already on TV for uh, two years 
yeah. at that point. N- 96 was when Michaels came out with that shoot. That's so. what I figured. I figured um, it was around there. It's still, I guess, kind of sex symbol Shawn Michaels yeah. at this point. Uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels was obviously the golden boy. Uh, yeah. He's Vince McMahon. He was Vince McMahon's go-to guy. Uh, he's He will continue to be for quite a while up until his back injury, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, Vince's, you know, but, go-to guy. You know, and at this point, like I said, the image is changing. The image of the WWF is changing. They're going from the big hulked up, no no pun intended, but the Hulk, the, the big hulking guys to the smaller guys, the guys that, that have a lot of star power that can work. Guys like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to start seeing that, that a lot revolving. Of egos, too. Well, that's the big thing. We got all of 97 to talk about egos. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we, got a, we got a lot of egos, even now, even now with Diesel being champ. Diesel wasn't even featured in the show at all, like aside from that. Right. Aside from that thing. And uh, until the end of the match, because um, then we got a promo from uh, uh, Shawn Michaels and Diesel about In Your House 3. Um, and how they're going to be facing uh, Owen Zuna in the uh, winner takes all match. That's so right. We're gonna we're gonna review that eventually as well for you guys. They didn't do a great job of explaining how that match was gonna work. I understood it because in because they but they were like, well, if you pin him, yeah. then they they, they 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 did every possible scenario, and like I'm like we get it. Just say yeah. winner take all. Yeah. Winner taking them all. Winner takes all. Winner takes all match. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll. Uh, you know, they talked about um, hyping In Your House 3 and that match. And then Sean specifically talked about righting his wrongs and avenging his losses, that being, you know, one to uh, uh, Psycho Sid. And then um, Diesel said that they're going to just continue to be great. So, yeah, like you said, wasn't that bad uh, of a Raw um, overall? I mean, hey, listen, first week. Oh, we also didn't mention we're going to be giving, uh, you know, our winners of the week every Episode. I kind of spoiled it. I was about to say, I kind of spoiled it. I said it before. I think Raw won this week. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the first week, obviously, uh, of September 4th, obviously went to WCW due to forfeit. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Raw, Raw could not compete. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Raw came back in the second week, which what to what we thought was the better episode. So, yeah, you've got uh, one for WCW and one for Monday Night Raw. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that has been War Ready from Double Turn Radio. Uh, we're going to be coming back uh, you know, pretty frequently uh, to go ahead and give you recaps of the Monday Night Raw. We're going to be sticking through this. As painfully as it may be for the both of us to stick through the, some of these episodes, I may have to do some of these alone, uh, depending on what the schedule works out. But me and James are going to be trying to do uh, uh, that every you know, provide for you as much as possible. Yep, absolutely. Uh, these first couple of, you know, 90, 95 to about mid-96 is going to be a little tough. Uh, once you start getting 96, 97, 97's where it really I mean, starts hey, to listen, pick once up. Once we get to the NWO, you know, it's going to be... Well, that's what I'm waiting full, for. Full, full gears. Full gears moving. Full yep. steam ahead. Because at that point, you've got... Um, no spoilers, but we'll, we'll talk about it. You got the but NWO. We got the NWO. You've got Degeneration X. You've got everything starting to come together. You've got Montreal in '97. You've the got the most famous parts of wrestling that most people know and love today are years ahead. Yep. And we're just getting towards the end. And of these are just weeks zero and week one. Week I mean, this one. is you know. So we've got a lot, a lot to do, a lot to, uh, lot to plan out. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we're able to uh, bring you quality uh, review content and uh, 
Up next, we have to talk about, um, in our next episode, we got to talk about Fall Brawl. Yes, yes. Stay tuned. We're going to be talking about Fall Brawl 95. So a couple of those matches, you've got a war games match between uh, the Hulkamaniacs and the Dungeon of Doom. You've got Arn Anderson versus Ric Flair. A lot of the uh, rest of the card we kind of don't know at this point. Um, so those were the two matches that they were kind of building towards. And those are the two matches that we're going to be uh, leaving you hanging with, folks. Uh, my name has been Xavier Heat. And next to me has been my lovely and beautiful co-host, as always. The man with no gimmick. Thank you for tuning in to Double Turn Radio. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Bye.